Welcome back to another episode of A Billion People, One Emotion. Your one place for knowledge on Indian cricket. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of A Billion People, One Emotion. We're here today to discuss the fourth test which is played at the Oval. This test started out with England winning the toss, which should not be much of a surprise to people who know we are calling stock track record. Uh, England opted to bowl first, looking at the overcast conditions and the fact that the pitch gets better to bat on at the Oval. It, England bundled out India for 191, which could have been much lesser if Shahdul Thakur had stepped in. England, in reply, scored 290, a somewhat miserly score compared to what they could have done given such a pitch. Um, India, in retaliation, scored 446 runs on a flat deck. And England, on the other hand, when they got a flat pitch to bowl on with just a few uh, potholes towards the left-handers off, st- uh, off stump, got bundled out for 210 only to give India a win by a whooping 157 runs. So I have with me Vivin and Rehan to talk about the game. So let's start right at the top. Uh, England's bowling in the first innings. Let's not look at the second innings as of yet. England's bowling in the first innings, especially with thoughts towards Chris Wokes and his emergence and his comeback to test cricket. Thoughts? Vivin, go ahead. Uh, Well, obviously, uh, England bowled much better than uh, what we're expecting, mainly probably also due to India's uh, batting, particularly the failures at the top. And we wouldn't have gotten close to the score that we got, even though the score we got wasn't very good if it wasn't for, uh, obviously, the late innings of someone who's probably our best batsman right now, uh, Shardul Thakur. I think we can all agree he's the most consistent. For me personally, I rely on him more than any of the uh, batsmen who we actually put in the team to bat for. And yeah, as you said, I think last podcast also, Rehan mentioned that uh, England was missing Chris Wokes and he couldn't have been more right. Obviously, Chris Wokes came in picked up four important wickets. He picked up uh, the top order of Rohit Sharma. He picked up um, Jadeja, who was just getting settled in. And he took uh, two more wickets uh, close to the end. And he took, obviously, Shahdul Thakur, who, as I said, has been the best batsman uh, for India and the most reliable. So, yeah, Wokes played a very important role. And uh, his comeback to England has been uh, a quite important one. Yeah, Wokes is uh, outstanding, to say the least. Uh, I'll just uh, give out one stat. And that's all I'll say. So the all-rounder averages in English conditions. So these are some iconic uh, English all-rounders. So both uh, both them, 34 with the bat and 27 with the ball. Flintoff, 35 with the bat and 36 with the ball. Stokes, 38 with the bat and 31 with the ball. And Wokes, 36 with the bat and 22 with the ball. He's right up there. So I'll just leave it at that. You can make... Of the, make what you want of those. Well, those numbers clearly show that well, he's one of the he's one of the top tier English all-rounders, and he's highly underrated for what he does for the English side, especially in home conditions. So Chris Wokes coming back to the side has been a big boost for them, especially since they've lost almost half their seam bowling attack, but still wasn't enough to take them, you know, past the line. And this is one of the main reasons for this is the way India batted and the way England bowled during the India's second innings. We saw India get notch of 466. 
Rohit with a 127 there. And uh, contributions all across from the from Rahul, Pujara, Kohli, Pant, Thakur, even Umesh and Bumrah uh, getting in 50 runs towards the end. So we saw a poor bowling performance from England, even though it was a flat wicket. Um, Moen Ali wasn't very effective. Granted, he got two wickets. He bowled 26 overs at a 4.5 economy rate, which well shouldn't have been the case. Moen was poor, and since Moen was poor, uh, Jorud had returned to Anderson, Robinson, Wokes, who bowled 33, 32, 32 overs, respectively. And England weren't able to get crucial breakthroughs, especially when partnerships were building, like that between um, even like that between Umesh and Bumrah as well. So, India's, India's second batting innings was a really dominant batting performance and a really um, below-class bowling performance by the England bowlers, uh, which just came across, especially when the conditions weren't in their favour. Rehan, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was obviously uh, a batting-favoured a batting favored pitch. Um, obviously, the actually, actually, during the Indian innings, there was quite a lot of cloud cover. But uh, but the pitch was quite flat, and uh, our batsmen used and made use of it very effectively. I mean, Rohit Sharma and KL Rahul at the top, brilliant. Uh, KL Rahul had another hundred plus ball uh, innings, and uh, Pujara also brilliant. This is actually uh, Pujara and Rohit's second uh, Test century stand, uh, which is uh, which is outstanding. And uh, obviously, Rohit Sharma, the man of the match. Um, he became the first visiting batsman to score a century at seven different venues uh, in England. And obviously, with the ball moving around in England a lot, that's a great feat. Um, he was, like, let's just say that this stun was uh, was going to come this series and it, it, it wasn't, uh, like, it couldn't have been a better time for it to come. Uh, he stepped up and uh, he did a senior batsman's role and and this was also a very different Rohit Sharma. Out of all of his test centuries, this was the only one where his strike rate was below 50. And he'd really dug in. He's, been, he's really been digging in the series and taking in balls. And it's not the Rohit Sharma we're used to seeing. He's adapted to the conditions really well. And this century just uh, puts it in stone that Rohit Sharma is a serious, serious test opener. Yeah, I agree with Rehan. And, you know, looking at the uh, disparity between India's scores, right, 191 and then over 450 in the second innings, uh, you can see where it all comes together and where it all fall apart, uh, falls apart for uh, England, I should say. Because if you look at the Indian scorecard in the second innings, there's one batsman, a single batsman, who uh, got out without scoring double figures, right? Without uh, being over 10 runs. Everyone else had some sizable contribution, obviously, with Rohit Sharma and the century, KL Rahul, strong 46, Chiteshwar Pujara uh, coming back into it uh, with a strong 60. And uh, it clearly shows, as opposed to England, right, to, uh, in this match, uh, Joe Root didn't really perform. He didn't play badly, per se. He scored a, a 20 and a and about 30 runs, a 50, a 50 runs, which is obviously not what we expected from him. But when he messes up, when he isn't able to perform for the team, despite performances of other people stepping up, like uh, Chris Wokes, uh, who stepped up in this game, England just aren't able to put together a cohesive performance. So it really, I think it really says a lot about where the two teams lie. India 
is being a lot more consistent. All of their batsmen, all of their bowlers are chipping in and uh, contributing to the wins, whereas uh, England's just not coming together. Yeah, the point that England's not coming together is a really valid point because in their first innings, we saw them score 290 and take a, well, 99-run lead. Well, which, looking back at the conditions, doesn't seem to have really pushed the match's agenda forward because, um, well, we saw that the pitch was very good for batting and the ball wasn't zipping around. Sure, we got some great movement from Umesh to get, say, Joe Root out. And we got some great bowling by India. But England should have put on more runs than 290. And the fact that they didn't uh, get a decisive 140-150 run lead could have been what uh, led to India scoring such a massive score and taking the game so far out of England's hands. We saw contributions in England's batting from the lower order. We saw... Pope, Bairstow, Moen, Wokes all get scores above 30. Um, we saw um, Malan play uh, crucial innings. The one disturbing point is that everyone in England, they're getting starts, but they aren't able to convert. And they aren't able to convert into big scores, which is leading their, which is leaving their scores at around the 300 mark or around the 250 mark, where they need, when they needed to be around the 350 mark. So, thoughts in the England batting? Rehan. Yeah, so, obviously, Jory's been in fantastic form this series. And, in my opinion, it took the ball of this series up till now to get him out. That was such a beaut by Umesh Yadav. Um, we also saw Oli Pope uh, batting really well. I thought he, he played fantastically uh, and adapted really well. Uh, Johnny Bairstow and Mohan Ali, they got into their 30s. But, um, especially Mohan Ali... I, I think he just threw his wicket away. He, he was getting impatient and he saw, and when Jadeja came out, he really wanted to take a hit at it. And obviously, Rohit Sharma took the catch. Uh, Chris Wokes, obviously, Chris Wokes is a serious all rounder. He has a test century. So we shouldn't be that surprised, but uh, somehow he always surprises us when he, uh, when he comes to the pitch with his batting skills. Um, obviously, we know that uh, England's openers have been a bit shaky. So, I mean, obviously, I'm not that surprised by the failure of Rory Burns and uh, Haseeb Hamid at the top. Uh, David Milan also looked really solid, actually. And um, again, Umesh Yadav came up with a fantastic ball. And he just had a knack of taking important wickets at important times uh, during this innings. Yeah, and to add on, I, I also, I feel like Ohm's point about getting starts is very important because, as he said, towards the lower order, many people did perform for England, right? And the reason they aren't able to go above those limits, even though many people are getting starts, I would say particularly a Besto has gotten a few starts this series, but he's never able to convert it into something that's able to push his team um, far beyond the reach and give India like a heavy struggle, right? Uh, England's getting a lot of players who are able to chip in Slightly, but not not they're not able to really convert them. So, yeah, that's a fair point. I think that's the main reason, or one of the main reasons for why England's not able to uh, keep up with India in this series. Well, all valid points here. England is was miles behind India in this game, even though they had a first innings lead. Um, talking about England's well, second innings, uh, they started off well. 
the opening partnership lasted a hundred runs, and I think this is the first time England's had a fourth innings hundred run opening partnership since like the nineteen sixties. Um, so England's openers did really well, but um, both the openers uh, fell prey to magnificent bowling. Shardul Thakur came in, uh, nipped one away from Burns. Burns nicked it. Uh, Ravindra Jadeja spun one out of the rough, and Hasib Amit fell. So talking about England's second uh, second innings while batting, um, and noting India's bowling performances. I mean, we saw Jasprit Bumrah produce the most magical spell of the series, where he flummoxed uh, Ollie Pope and Johnny Bairstow to get them out, which really just let the floodgates open, and especially um, another bowler as well was Ravindra Jadeja. He kept bowling a consistent line around the rough, and he led to the demise of Malan, Hamid, and even Mohin Ali again, second time in the game. So thoughts in the England second innings of batting, Vivin? Yeah, so I feel like um, as we've talked about on this podcast already multiple times, right? The talk of uh, England's test playing off late has been their opening failures. They started the series off with uh, Burns and Sibley and they've thought of, obviously there have been many concerns about whether England's opening can finally come together. And even in the first innings of this match, they both collectively put on only five runs with Hasib Hamid uh, getting a duck. But in the second innings, they definitely came out um, a lot stronger. They got a hundred runs, uh, I believe 110 runs uh, collectively. And that really helped to push them to a certain extent. But uh, after that, the wars continued for England. The batting wars that we are familiar with, right? Uh, David Malan got out for just five. Jorut had a decent 36. And after Jorut, it all collapsed with uh, Ollie Pope, Bairstow, uh, Chris Wokes. Uh, sorry, Chris Wokes played decently, but Ollie Pope, Bairstow, and uh, Moin Ali scoring very little. And uh, there was little England could do at that point. Yeah, I mean, Vivin brought up some really important points. But uh, talking about David Milan, um, I actually thought he looked really composed and really solid. And um, he didn't look nervous at all, unlike uh, someone like Hasib Amid, which uh, I'll come to later. He actually got out uh, because of the run out and it wasn't really his fault. Um, He's been the number three that England have been looking for in the last 12 months, uh, 24 months, because he has that uh, experience and he, he knows what he wants to do. And he knows how he wants to play. So I, I think he's been uh, really solid for England since he's come back into the test side. Uh, Rory Burns looked good until uh, Charles Thakur bowled, bowled an amazing wicket-taking delivery to him. Um, Hasib Hamid. Now, he was their highest scorer this innings. But, but I didn't think he looked solid at all. He, like, he, he got many runs, but he hasn't looked assured at all. He was very nervous. Uh, when, Jadev, when Jadeja was bowling, he just wanted to get off strike. And we saw that lead to the wicket of David Milan. Uh, he looked very unsure of himself. And um, uh, I, I really think that he needs he needs a big 100 to get a good confidence boost. Because even though he's got a couple of 50s and 60s, uh, he doesn't look assured at all. Um, and obviously, just with Bumrah bowled as good of a test spell as you can get. I mean, it was amazing. The ball that got Ollie Pope out, the ball that got Johnny Bester out. I mean, it was just amazing, amazing test bowling to witness. And uh, I'm so glad that 
uh, I witnessed this live. You know, I want to talk about the second innings a bit more. It was uh, a tactical masterpiece by Virat Kohli. You know, a lot of people comment on his captaincy, especially because of his record at RCB, saying that he's not tactically good. He's not a good captain. He should be replaced. I've seen in many places comments, you know, saying that Rohit Sharma should take over as captain by various people. But, you know, this was a tactical masterpiece that not many captains could have done. Joe Root messed up his tactics in Lords and on the last day, and that hurt him. Uh, but Virat Kohli was spot on with his tactics. He made the right bowling changes. He made the bowling changes which got him wickets. You know, before lunch, we saw that uh, Bumrah was asking for the ball. And Bumrah, like, you know, wanted the ball. But then Kohli said, no, no, wait for it to reverse more, wait for it to reverse more. And then right after lunch, uh, after Bumrah rested, Bumrah is back, brought back on. And suddenly he, we see that uh, spell from Bumrah where he just ripped apart England's bowling line, uh, batting lineup and opened the floodgates. Ollie Pope has like a average of 100 in first class ticket as well uh, in the oval. Uh, probably more, but around that margin. And Bumrah just, you know, knocked him out for just like two runs. Even when Kohli just, you know, brought Jadeja on. Made, like, Jadeja went around the wicket, continuously bowling into the rough. S- straight lines. He brought Umesh on towards the end. These continual bowling changes. When he brought Thakur on, the first over, Thakur strikes. This is a tactical masterpiece by Virat Kohli. And even, uh, and even like, adding on to his batting, he scored 44 and he scored 50. Like, he could not convert these innings. But they were really important towards the course of the game. And hopefully, we can see him convert them. Vivin? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Om. Uh, like, obviously, there's a lot to be said about uh, Kohli's batting off late, right? There's uh, obviously something going around on Twitter about how Kohli hasn't scored an international century since January of 2020. And that's completely true. But for an Indian fan, uh, it's it's looking promising with Kohli getting 44 and 50 um, in this match alone. So it's it's looking good and hopefully as an Indian fan, he can start to convert those into bigger innings. And with regards, regards to the tactics, um, yes, there have been people calling about for calling out Kohli for mistakes he's made and calling on Rohit Sharma to take up the captaincy of India. But, you know, this isn't even the first time that Kohli has used his tactics to the advantage and has helped India, right? Obviously, in this match, it really aided India getting Oli Pope out for just two runs and he was a very dangerous man uh, he scored, uh, I believe, 82 in the first innings uh, for England. Right, he scored 81, I'm sorry. He scored 81 in the first innings for England. It was a very important wicket. And even in a previous test, uh, if uh, the listeners will remember, uh, Virat Kohli pushed the tail end into drinks, or I believe it was lunch or drinks, I'm not, I'm not sure, but he pushed them into breaks. And then after they came out, he declared. And that minor, that minor setback, that minor... He didn't really allow the English batsman to come out fresh. And um, while people did criticize it in the moment, uh, claiming that Kohli didn't, wasn't giving his bowlers enough time, at the end it worked and India won comfortably. So it uh, hasn't been Kohli's only tactical success so far in the series. And uh, you have to give him credit for what he's done, whether you like him or hate him. I mean, Kohli's a great test captain. I mean, anyone who doubts that is they're just speaking out of their mind. Um, He's been fantastic ever since he took over captaincy. I mean, uh, he won that test series in Australia in 2018, which a lot of people overlook uh, due to the heroics of uh, Ajinkya and uh, Rishabh Pant 
in uh, in australia this year but uh, he he's been a really good uh, uh, test captain for india and tactically he was on song the whole test series i mean the win at lords just just uh, batting the tailenders for a bit extra like vivin said and giving the bowler 60 overs to to get them all out um the way he used jadeja the field placements um the way where he waited to bring uh, jasprit back on uh, until the ball was reverse swinging a bit more uh, how he used umesh how he didn't bowl shardul at all uh, on day 4 and then brought him in day 5 and suddenly he takes a wicket in the first over i mean virat kohli is a tactical mastermind uh, he's a great captain and uh, and you just can't uh, doubt that now Well, Kohli's masterclass in captaincy saved India. And now, um, moving on, let's take a look at uh, some of England's play- England's players in this test. Uh, let's take a look at um, let's take a look at Jimmy Anderson. Jimmy Anderson here. He's been bowling uh, in all four tests, and he's bowled well, fourteen overs in the first innings, and a whooping thirty-three overs in the second innings. um he's taken two wickets over the course of the entire test and has bowled about like fought uh, almost a few overs so thoughts on anderson's performance and thoughts on how when the ball is not doing much anderson is uh, seeming to be very ineffective in these conditions rehan obviously uh, he's one of the greats of the game Uh, he's been fantastic in some uh, earlier matches in the series i mean uh, the man's not uh, 25 anymore he's he's gaining age and uh, you can you can see that now because four tests on the trot it, it's hard it, and even if he wasn't uh, 39 i mean even for a young fast bowler look at ollie robinson you can clearly see the pull on him too so just the fact that he's been able to bowl 33 overs is outstanding um another thing you have to take into account is uh, by looking at his numbers is jimmy is not had great numbers at the at the over throughout his career like he's never been uh, one that dominates here he's always had these couple wickets uh, a few wickets here and there he's not been the jimmy we usually know in in england at the over so that that's the one uh, a spot uh, on the map that he hasn't completely dominated so i i think we need to keep that in account too uh, the real test will be uh, how he how he bowls at old trafford because we know the ball can swing a bit there and um, we'll really start to see if his age is taking uh, a, a major impact uh, depending on how he bowls in manchester yeah and i feel like uh, jimmy uh, he he's a, he's a bowler who performs in patches right like uh, there have been times in the series where he's looked a uh, quite dangerous and other times where he hasn't seemed like anything or any struggle for the indian uh, batsman to play and i feel like that was what happened in this match he got he got one wicket uh, in each of his innings and he didn't bowl particularly badly i would say i don't i think we can all agree that he wasn't necessarily a bad bowler he wasn't particularly doing anything awfully wrong but um, he just wasn't able to bring it all together he wasn't able to make magic happen and he wasn't able to cause significant trouble to the indian batsman which is um which is sort of predictable considering that the uh, the oval is slightly flatter than when Jim, jimmy anderson is jimmy anderson's usually lethal as rehan says but um 
yeah, it's a bit disappointing, and you could see that it hurt England's bowling, particularly uh, in the second innings for India, where they really needed wickets and breakthroughs. True, true. So let's look at uh, one more man now, the opposing team, another swing bowler, bought in for his ability to swing the ball and swing the bat, both of which he has done splendidly. Let's take a look at Lord Shardul Thakur, who scored runs when India needed them and took out Root when India needed him to and stepped up, got the breakthrough of uh, Rory Burns as well to open the floodgates. Thoughts on Shardul Thakur's performance, starting with women? Yeah, Shardul Thakur, as I said multiple times, you know, for, first it was a joke, right? It was a bit of a meme. When Shardul had uh, a good innings here and there, it was a bit of a meme to say that he's the best bowler, uh, sorry, he's the best batsman, I should say, rather, and that he is India's most consistent batsman, India's most reliable batsman. But uh, after looking at this match, it's it's uh, slowly coming out to be uh, more and more true. I, I, I feel like it's only a matter of time before... Uh, they make Shardul Thakur uh, open the batting because honestly, he scored 57 in the first innings, 60 in the second innings. And obviously, it's not like he's playing these innings super defensively, right? In the first innings, he had 57 off of 36 balls. And in the second innings also, it was 60 off of just 72 balls. I mean, he's not defending these, taking his time. He's really going after the bowling and it's working, right? And it really pushes England back. Even if you look at some shorter knocks from people at the tail, like say 15, 20 runs. A lot of people think it doesn't mean anything, but it is demoralizing to go that far deep into the innings and have people just absolutely flatten you and uh, thrash you around the park. And that's what Shadul did with the bat. And yeah, uh, with the ball as well, he comes in at crucial times. His wicket of Rory Burns, as Om said in the first innings, was brilliant uh, with the ball slightly moving and Burns obviously edged it and it was caught behind. So uh, Shadul... Play, has played a very important role with the ball and uh, with the bat and he's um, turning out to be more and more crucial for India every time. Yeah, Lord Shardul himself. I mean, it was almost as if he was wearing the, the yellow jersey again during that first innings. I mean, what an innings, getting a 50 so quickly. I think it was the, uh, the second fastest 50 by an Indian in a test match, I think, or something like that. I mean, amazing. His, his knock uh, really saved us in that first innings and in the second innings uh, his knock really put us in a winning position uh, carrying on from from the great work that Rohit Sharma and uh, Chiteshwar Pujara did. I mean you couldn't keep him out of the game. He was, he was hitting sixes, he was getting runs, he was picking up wickets. I mean he, he picked up Joe Root. I mean that's a massive wicket. Uh, that changed the whole uh, dynamic of the game on Shoryut was out. Uh, England were on the back foot, defending, defending, and we were just roaring. I mean, Lord Shardul definitely had a massive impact on this game, and I mean, good for him, good for him. He got into the side uh, uh, during the Gabba test because of, uh, because of injuries to other players, and uh, he, he impressed us with his bowling and batting then, picking up 7-4, and obviously that great partnership with uh, Washington Sundar. And he gets another chance here because uh, of an injury to Mohammed Shami and uh, a niggle to Ishan Sharma. And uh, he doesn't disappoint. He's really making a, a strong case for himself for the T20 World Cup, as well as saying, look how well I performed. You can't drop me uh, in the fifth test match when uh, Mohammed Shami comes. So the Indian selectors do have a good headache with uh, a lot of their bowlers performing, but it's a good headache to have, isn't it? 
Well, picking up on where Rehan left off, let's move into rapid fire. Okay. So, as we all know, I'm going to ask questions. Rehan, we're not going to answer in that order. And then it's going to be me answering. So, quick answer, quick answering. So, the first question. Changes to the Indian 11, assuming all bowlers are fit. Rehan. Yeah, so Mohammed Shami walks in for uh, Siraj. And uh, I mean, I don't think they're going to do this. But like, I have to say it. I would get Ashwin in. I don't care who they get him for. Uh, probably, probably Jadeja. But, uh, but I won't be. Let's just say I won't be that pissed if, uh, if that doesn't happen. Yeah, Siraj out, uh, out for Mohammed Shami. And I know uh, Rehan has been saying it throughout this whole series that he wants to see Ashwin in. But I think we should just accept it uh, that he's not going to come in uh, in the next test. Well. Keeping that in mind, I'm going to go with, I don't think, I, I think India is going to stick with Mohammad Siraj. I think they brought him in and they're going to, they're going to stick with him even for the last test. I think they're going to drop Umesh Yadav and I think they're going to get Shami back in, assuming he's fit. And uh, don't see Shah come back in. So now let's look at the other side. England have, re England have released their squad. Uh, people like Jack Leach have come back. So, changes for England, Rehan. Yeah, so um, I think that Mark Wood will come in for Craig Overton. Um, I think Josh Butler will probably come back in for, uh, for Moen Ali. Or, uh, or they might stick with Moen Ali and, and maybe bring in uh, Jack Leach in. Uh, I don't think they're going to bring uh, Jack Leach uh, into the side. I'm not too sure of the situation with uh, Butler and how that's going to pan out. But yeah, I think uh, Overton will be out of the side for Wood. Well, same thoughts here. I don't think they're going to remove... Uh, I don't think they're going to get in Jack Leach, especially, you know, there's going to be there's a forecast of rain in Manchester and there's going to be uh, moisture around. I don't think uh, it's going to... The spinners are going to have that much of an impact as they did, especially in this game. So, yeah, over, over and out, uh, Mark Wood in. If Mark, uh, but just talking about Josh Butler, looking at Ollie Pope's performance, I think they might just look to rest, rest Butler for this game. Either way, now moving on to the most controversial question. Who do you think should have been man of the match? Rohit Sharma or Shardul Thakur? I know the man of the match is given to Rohit Sharma, but what are your thoughts on that? Rehan. Well, obviously my favorite uh, batsman in the world right now is Rohit Sharma. And I just think his his innings was very, very important and, and practically dug us out of a hole. So I'm going to go with Rohit Sharma. You know, um, I, I would actually say none of them. If I, if I could, uh, I would give man of the match to my favorite player in the world right now, Javo 6'9". But uh, if Javo is not available to collect the award, then... Uh, I would say I agree that Rohit Sharma's uh, innings was very important in order to solidify the batting. But I would say uh, Shahrul Thakur, just for his all-round performance, uh, pushing India, giving India a boost in both the bowling and batting departments in uh, both innings. Well, Java, Java 6 9 is the obvious option. But yeah, I would say Shahrul, hands down. Shahrul contributed with the ball and the bat. He got the major wicket of Joe Root. He took India out of trouble when they were like 120 for six. It, it has to be Shardul. Rohit Sharma might have got the big hundred, but Shardul just, this was Shardul's match and Shardul deserved it. 
Okay, so the next question, the next question is going to talk about Ajinkya Rahane. Assuming he continues like in his form or assuming he doesn't really push his case, how long do you think India should persist with him before looking for other options? Yeah, so I don't think he's going to be dropped the series at all. Um, I think that he will get a, a starting 11 position in the series against New Zealand coming up at home. But if he fails that again, then I think uh, like there are a lot of people knocking, uh, such as Vihari, Surya Kumar Yadav, even Shubman Gill. So I think he really needs to step up his game and uh, perform in the fifth test and in the home series against India. Yeah, I think there's a one aspect of the rapid fire where I'll agree with Rehan. Um, one more game in the series, I think they'll give him another shot uh, to prove himself. And if he doesn't, they'll probably give him uh, one or two games in the next series, after which I think if he still underperforms and isn't up to the mark, uh, they'll have to drop him and get in someone, someone else. Well, to the last part of my uh, rapid, uh, rapid fire round, England have looked like looked at many bowlers throughout this series. They've looked at Ollie Robinson. They've looked at Craig Overton. They've looked at uh, Mark Wood to an extent. They've uh, Anderson Works Broad have been looked at for the past many years and have come and bowled the series. So, taking into account all these players, after the four test matches, once their entire lineup is fit, who are the four bowlers you would put in your English pace bowling lineup? Well, obviously, it's tough. Um, okay, so I'm going to go, uh, obviously, Broad and Anderson walk into any team. Uh, then I'm going to go with Jofra. He has good bounce. He has good pace. And lastly, I got to, I got to go with Wokes because in, in England, he's just fantastic. He uses the conditions really well. And he's handy with the bat as well. Uh, I think this might be um, a, bit, a bit of a surprise. Uh, considering Broad and Anderson, yeah, they, they'll walk into the team. I think it's a lot uh, closer than just going with uh, Wokes and Jofra because, you know, uh, Ollie Robinson has been decently consistent this series. I think they're going to give him more of a shot. So uh, I think they're going to go with Wokes. And I think depending on Jofra's fitness, depending on uh, the conditions of, I think they're going to rotate between uh, Wokes, Robinson and Archer. Well, then there we have it. That's the end of the rapid fire. And that's the end of our episode reviewing the fourth test of the series, which India have taken a lead in. 2-1. Tune in to watch the fifth test starting in a while and tune in to watch our analysis after the test ends. Oh, wait, oh, you. Oh, you never, oh, you never uh, answered the last one. I'm, I'm curious to know who you're Yeah, dude, don't leave us hanging. Yeah, come on, oh, man. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Okay. So, answering the last question which I asked myself. Um, yes. Well, I think um, based on where they're playing, I think they're going to rotate Broad and Anderson. I think one of Broad and Anderson will play. And uh, this is if it's not in England. If it's in England, obviously, you'll have a different attack. But when they're playing overseas, I think they're going to rotate one of Broad and Anderson. Uh, I think they're going to play Jofra Archer, especially for his speed, pace, bounce. And as the Third and as a third bowler, I think they're gonna. I, I think they're gonna play. I think they're gonna look at Ollie Robinson to play, and Ben Stokes is all rounder. Uh, Chris Wokes. Um, 
Chris Wokes makes into my England side is going to be uh, Rod, Anderson, Wokes, Archer in my England side. But for overseas, I don't think... Uh, I think they're going to do the rotation between Anderson and Rod and they're going to get in uh, Robinson based on his recent performance. Not that I endorse it, but this is what I think they're going to do. And uh, they're going to get in Archer, of course. So, well, getting back, thank you and uh, goodbye.